the ninth book, Him or the Far Power Villain. Chapter 48. Bandu did not merely stand for the presidency in the traditional idiom. He ran for it. He waged an energetic and aggressive campaign amongst the delegates to the All India Karava Committee. Those who had trudged with him through the villages, those who had stood in his ordinary phalanxes of protesters to bear the bamboo blows of the British, those who had marched and sweated and suffered outside the range of the cine cameras, at last found in him one of their own kind to vote for. The visible leadership of the party had always come from the highly educated, highly articulate stratum of lawyers and men of property, who had had themselves elected by the rest. Even Gangaji, who had broadened the party support and given it a mass base, had done little change to the pattern at the top, where a handful reigned derided as a party bosses by the British and hailed as people's leaders by the Kauravas. Observe Ganapati, how the cynics elite is the revolutionary's vanguard. Your tyrant is my inspiring leader. One man's slave is another's disciplined adherent to the cause. So it is that democracy produces oligarchs and mass is always ruled by class. In the first election featuring candidates from the ranks, Gangaji's hand-picked godchild was too obviously a stalking horse to be convincing. The Mahaguru dropped some hints but did not allow himself to venture out too far on a limb. As the campaign progressed, the ways of my pale son, Gangaji's days of silence increased. So Pandu, the former princely, became the first president of the plebeians. For a brief moment, we all inhaled the whiff of revolution. Pandu made a stirring speech of acceptance, promising action in the place of inaction. He was careful not to say the slightest word against the Mahaguru. Indeed, he expressed his unbounded reverence for the party's mentor and spiritual guide. But the very phrasing of his praise implied that his respect for Gangaji did not extend to his political methods. And his constant exhortations to break new ground were couched in terms that the Mahagurus and Dhritarashtra's admirers could never accept, even if they brought sections of the crowd to their feet, clapping and whistling. It was exhilarating, Ganapati, but it could not last. However right Gangaji had been in the strategic sense when he implied that the presidency did not matter, he could not wish away the prominence that the position gave Pandu. The excitement of his supporters at Pandu's election posed a threat that could not be allowed to grow. From the expressions on the faces of the others, it was clear to me that Pandu's presidency would destroy either the party or him. The Mahaguru was never one to tolerate divisiveness. And he said as much in one of his characteristically long and complex letters to the new president of the Kaurava party, who saw the text in the newspapers the day before the letter reached him. I couldn't agree more, Bandu said when he read it. Which is why I would appreciate it, Gangaji, if you would urge the recalcitrant elements of the party to rally around their elected president, instead of making such divisive noises. He wrote that down in more diplomatic terms, posted it to the Mahaguru's ashram and released it to the press a day later. Gangaji didn't particularly care for this reply. The roots of division must be traced deep in the soil, he declared in an editorial in the weekly newspaper. It will not do to merely cut off its branches. Divisiveness and disloyalty do not flourish in the bright heat of the sun, Pandu said sententiously to a peasant rally the following week. 
They grow in the shade afforded them by the leafy boughs of an old banyan tree. The first moves have been made in an elaborate game of chess. But if chess is so much civilized than boxing, one sport to which Indians have never taken, its attraction for us lies in the careful unfolding of calibrated stratagems. The open warnings to be on guard, the ever-present possibility of an honorable draw, the very things pugilism does not permit. The contest between Gangaji and Pandu, however, admitted of no defensive moves, no sidesteps towards stalemate. From the moment it began, a knockout punch was the only objective. It was a match in which, for either side, no draw was possible. There is an old Indian proverb, Gangaji told a blonde photographer from Life magazine, who was taking notes as well as snapshots of the great man. It says, United we stand, divided we fall. But that's an old American proverb, the blonde blinked. Perhaps, but the Indian version is older, the Mahaguru replied. And it goes together with another Indian proverb. Always respect your elders. When this was published, Pandu was being interviewed by the time. A young modernist poet of Lucknow expressed the attitudes and aspirations of his generation in a recent couplet, which I shall translate for you, he informed the journalist. It goes roughly like this. I do not reject you, rather, I measure the years I have grown. I worship your grey hairs, father, but I must comb my own. Fallen pawns littered the edges of the board. The Indian literary tradition places little value on satirical verse. Sara Ben spoke for Gangaji on one of his days of silence. So too, the Indian political tradition is one of the most seriousness and respectful established institutions. Provided these institutions are popularly supported and seen as reflective of the people's will. Check. The best reflection of the people's will, declared Pandu in a speech to his supporters, is the figure at the bottom of the voting tally in a democratic election. A daring maneuver, Ganapati, but one which left a flank exposed. History teaches us, the Mahaguru told a prayer meeting, that it is always dangerous to mistake the enthusiasm of a select few for the support of the broad mass. That was when the castle fell. The letters began arriving at Pandu's home and at Kaurava party headquarters. Letters from party workers and leaders across the country, bearing a dress even Pandu could not recognize. The letters deplored the party's drift from the path of truth and moderation, always espoused by Gangaji. Many of them found their way to the newspapers, colonialist and nationalist alike. I have been president barely three months, mused a bewildered Pandu. What drift are these people going on about? Two letters in the same vein appeared in Gangaji's own paper, without accompanying editorial comment. Those who welcome the new government, the directions of the movement, Pandu declared defiantly to a Kaurava crowd meeting on a famous beachfront, who were more used to slogans than swimming, should let their voice be heard amidst the orchestrated clamor of the diehards. Do you all not give me your loyal support? No, rose the crescendo from the sands. Shaken, Pandu wrote to his former mentor. There appears to be a systematic campaign within the party to undermine me and question my leadership of the party. Such elements do not derive solace from your silence on the matter. 
which could even be construed as tantamount to tolerance of antibody activities. I shall be grateful if you would kindly lend your voice in support of my attempts to move the Kaurava party forward. A statement from you disassociating yourself from some of the excesses of those who claim to be your followers would be greatly welcome. He sealed the letter and marked it confidential. This time there would be no copy for the press. But now it is the Mahaguru who published the correspondence. It is not for me to advise faithful servants of the Kaurava cause against acting according to the dictates of their conscience, Gangaji stated piously in his printed reply. Leaders should never lose sight of the concerns of their followers. Pandu's ranks were decimated. He attempted one last gambit at a meeting of the Kaurava Working Committee. In view of the variety of attacks on my position and principles within and outside the party of late, he announced, I should like as party president to seek a vote of confidence from my committee. He looked directly at me for a response, staking everything. I could sense the unease of the others who were around the table. I felt like Caesar pushing a knife into Brutus. Don't do it, my son, I said, my voice hoarse. Do not ask this of us. The look of pain that crossed his pale face still haunts me. Not to receive a vote of confidence was as bad as receiving a vote of no confidence. The game was over. Pandu had toppled his own crowned head. He resigned.